Hiya, everybody. This is 365 Honest Questions About the Bible. I am your long-suffering host, Dante Stack, and today is something special, something unique. We've done one episode before where we've had a conversation, and we're trying it again today, but it's quite different this time, I think. This episode, the question we're going to work on is question 44, two sides of the same coin? (laughs) And I came up with that kind of vague question because... As you'll hear, I brought my brother-in-law on, and what I ended up really enjoying about this conversation is it's way more vague than we usually are. We don't spend any time in a specific passage. We're just broad-stroking everything. But it has the real tension of having a conversation in real time, you know? Talking with Travis was kind of like pulling up a weed, and he's got his question that he's ready to engage me with or engage any of us with. But as life tends to be, the question's multifaceted, and I'm trying the whole episode, you'll see, to go out different perspectives to try to get at the root of what that question actually emotionally feels like, mentally feels like. What is a way that I can engage with it, possibly come up with an answer that is actually emotionally satisfying? This isn't meant to be a debate where you have a political winner at the end of the night or, you know, a situation where someone has won the game of logic and the other person has to admit failure, but that other person doesn't feel like their views are wrong and they just feel like they've stumbled in their articulation of it. That's not what this conversation, this episode is about. This is about trying to engage with each other's questions, real questions, real tension, in a way that is somewhat satisfying or encourages us to dig deeper and to want more. As I was editing our conversation down a little bit, man, I was beating myself on the head. There were so many other directions I could have taken the conversation and so many ways that maybe I could have more appropriately or more succinctly answered Travis's heart question. Man, you'll see that one of Travis's things that he's longing to hear is evangelism in the Old Testament. And I failed to even think up in the moment, the book of Jonah. Jonah's sent by God to be an evangelist. But, you know, it didn't come to me at the time. Things like that will probably beat you over the head too as you listen. But I hope you enjoy it because it's a very real conversation. And our thoughts, our conversation are just engaging with each other as our minds are leading us. So not a lot of foresight in a lot of the elements of our conversation. Nevertheless, I hope you enjoy it. Music, bring us in. Okay, so today we've got Travis, my, I almost said son-in-law. That is not correct. My brother-in-law, he's not that young. So we were having a conversation a few weeks ago now at this point, and we're flowing. It was a good conversation, so I invited Travis to come on, and I gave him a blank slate, said, whatever question you want to bring up, we'll talk it through. So, Travis... Right. There you are. You're in my cozy closet. I am. It is cozy in here. It's nice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the question that uh, I decided to go with was, to boil it down, did God's character change from the Old Testament to the New Testament? So why on earth, out of all the questions that I, you could have possibly asked, 
Why are you bringing this one to the table? Well, this one kind of has plagued me for a while since I was a younger child growing up in church. It kind of just bothered me because in the Old Testament we have this God of wrath and anger, and it seems that most of what we're seeing is him taking out his anger on various peoples. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus come on the scene, and he's like, hey man, it's all cool. Like, love everybody, it's all great. And it's almost pacifism. I don't know if that would be a great way to sum it up, but that's the impression I always got from it, was just, he was very anti violence. I okay, mean, so what do you do with Revelation? You got Jesus, Revelation 19, he's got bolts of lightning coming out of his eyes, a sword coming out of his mouth. Yes. Uh, doesn't that negate this pacifism idea? Well, I don't know if it completely negates it, because I think the core root of his teaching was, with your time here on earth, don't live in anger, don't live by the sword, don't take out violence on others on your fellow human beings, what have you. And we see Jesus say, don't take out vengeance because vengeance is mine. Like, vengeance is the Lord's. So so like, you're, you're not saying God's character changed. You're saying God's directions changed for man. So God, once upon a time, wanted men to be fighters, warriors, and now he wants them to be sheep for the slaughter. Well, you see, that would be an interesting way to take it. Because for me, that still rings an odd bell. Because you have God in the Old Testament who is very explicit about his intentions to destroy entire people groups at one time. And by destroy, I mean completely destroy 100%. Men, women, children, donkeys, everything. Like, he gets mad at Saul, very angry. It, he takes away the throne from Saul in the Old Testament for not killing the king and the livestock uh, with the Amalekites. So, that's uh, still odd to me, even taking it the way you explained it, that in the New Testament, he would say, Vengeance, leave that to me and you just hang out and be a good person in the meantime. To me, that's such almost a 180 transition from make war and take what the Lord has given you to just take it easy. My pastor, just yesterday morning at a men's morning Bible study, he said there's five, and I have no idea, he's probably getting this from some other source, but he said there's five major characters, character types in the Bible. There's obviously God, there's the angelic realm, whatever you want to do with that. Mm. Thirdly, there's the Israelites, or the nation of Israel. Fourthly, Gentile peoples. And fifthly, the new man. When the Apostle Paul says, you know, now there is no longer Jew nor Greek, but we are all one in Christ, he seems to be plot twist, game changer. Here's the new thing on the block. Hmm. So again, I don't think we're to the heart of your question yet, because I think what you're actually wrestling with is not God's directions for people, but God himself. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, but then the revelation thing, Jesus with sword coming out right, of the mouth, yeah. is still a possible answer for you, right? Yeah. And, and not to mention the, the woe to you Pharisees, woe to you right, scribes. Right, The It'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than you twerps. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very vivid. I mean, I think that and the temple where Jesus freaks right. out because of the money changers and everything, I think the woe to you and the temple are probably the most violent and aggressive we see Jesus get in the entirety of the New Testament, aside from Revelation. But when Revelation comes, it's almost this new Jesus who is almost transformed. 3.0. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> one could say. But it's clear this is not the Jesus we've seen. This is the Jesus who's come to judge 
and to destroy those who did not heed the call. And it's very ominous, obviously, the book of Revelation. And as opposed to the New Testament and the uh, Gospels, where he's very welcoming and he's very loving. So, I mean, there's that. And, of course, there's this, I mean, the major thing that gets me is this almost complete bifurcation in between the New Testament and the Old Testament, where there's no way to not notice that God is, he's almost driven by anger in the Old Testament at first glance. There are, of course, your exceptions where he's saying, Oh, Israel, how I loved you, but you turned on me, so now things are going to get ugly. And then, of course, in the New Testament, you have the opposite, where he's saying, This is all for you. I'm I'm giving myself for you. Come be my disciples. I love you. And, of course, you have a, the exceptions as woe unto you. So, I mean, I think that's the main source of where the question boiled up from for me, was because... In the Old Testament, you have a God of anger, and in the New Testament, you have this God of love and a Prince of Peace. So, where do we take that? Where do you take that? Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess that's what I'm asking you, is because, I mean, I've taken have it. Have you not listened to this show? I don't answer questions, man. Well, yeah, I mean, I've asked this question to many a teacher at my church, and they all give me the same answer in the end, which is, we can't know God. And that's a little frustrating for me. Because in my mind, saying we can't know God, and that's just where faith comes in. You just have to take it the way it is. That's almost a cop-out to me. That's almost an excuse not to pursue knowledge. It's saying, it doesn't matter, because we can't know God. We shouldn't ask these questions, or it's pointless to ask these questions, because there's no way we're, gonna, we're ever going to find out, because God is infinitely complex. So for me, that's a little frustrating. And so that's where the question started coming from. And I'm feeding it back to myself and almost as a loop because... What do you mean? Well... What's the loop? I mean, because I have these teachers saying we can't have the infinite vastness of God's knowledge so we can't know his character. But on the human side of my thought process, I'm thinking, but wouldn't God want to reveal himself in a way we can understand? Because it makes sense to me... Why well, have the Bible if exactly. it's incomprehensible? Yeah, and that doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would he show us this one side of himself and then another completely opposite side and say, hey man, this is me? And it seems like the natural response is to ask, well, what about all the anger and wrath? And we're just supposed to say, well, we can't know God's character. That's just the way it panned out. So, so we're talking in broad strokes here, obviously. Yes. Um, we're not... You know, basing this discussion on a specific passage. But what I'm hearing you say, I think, is two-thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament. And your takeaway from that is a character that, mark me if I'm wrong here, you don't like. I mean, that's the tension, right? Yeah. Because if they, if they were two sides of the same coin, and it was like, Jesus gives you a lollipop, God gives you a Snickers, <laughs> we would probably be like, all right, well, yeah. I'll take both sides of that <laughs> coin. Or I'll take that coin. <laughs> Yes. But but there has to be a tension in that one of these things doesn't match. And that or, sounds bad, just coming out, because... I'm, I say heretical things on the show all the time, don't <laughs> right. worry about it. The thing I'm trying to communicate, I guess, is not that I don't like that side of God, so much as that I am completely confused by that translation. Okay, well, well let's go with it this way. If Jesus showed up on the scene in the flesh, and, okay, I think going on with the heresy and the... Mm the bad stuff, was exactly like the prophet Muhammad, who came with a sword and evangelized mainly through murder. Which, I mean, would almost be in keeping with the God of the Old Testament that we see, in my opinion. 
Good, I was going to say according to you. So <laughs> thank you for saying that for yourself. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but if that's, if that's who Jesus was, or if that's this side he declared in the New Testament, would you be okay with that? Because the confusion Ooh. would have to be gone, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's a tough one. Obviously, the Bible, the entire New Testament would be completely different. We would, ha- we probably wouldn't have blessed is he or whatever. We probably wouldn't have all the love and the compassion and the evangelization of different peoples that we have in the New Testament now. We would have the God of the Old Testament coming down in human form and saying wrath is to be executed upon the world. And I don't know. That's that, that takes it to an interesting place. Definitely. Well, we're there in that place. I know. I'm trying to I figure need out an what's answer. going on. <laughs> I'm trying to get my bearings. I mean, to say I would be okay with it would be a reach just because we would have a different version of Christianity itself, and it would be a completely different religion, in my opinion. It would be closer to Judaism than anything else. I don't think we would have that element of go out and make disciples, go out and love other people, and show them the grace of God. I think we would have go out and take the world for God. Okay, but... If you can, and I I know it's a stretch, but try to detach yourself from whatever prerogative we as Christians would then have. One of the things you said in this conversation and before when we were prepping was the Sunday school teacher would give you the answer of, we just can't know God. Hmm. So what I'm trying to do is get at that question and translate it for myself and, and see if it rings true for me. That is it this whiplash thing you're talking about here of these two opposite traits that is really at the heart of what you're wrestling with here or is it that you can know god but you don't really want to know him because at least a portion of him maybe it's two-thirds maybe it's you know some other portion right is this guy that you're uncomfortable with Hmm. does that make sense yeah i i think i get what you're saying uh I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a tough way to go. Just It takes it to a darker place, I think. Because, I mean, as you said, two-thirds of the Bible is this God of anger and judgment. I didn't say that. Well, (laughs) yeah, well, two-thirds of the Bible is almost a different God than what we get in the New Testament, aside from Revelation. Because uh, if you take the Old Testament and then walk it through... The New Testament, there's obviously a difference. There is a fundamental difference in at least the attitude that Jesus is taking. Because there seems to be this attitude in the Old Testament of we are God's chosen people and that's it. There's 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 nothing else. We're God's chosen people. We are predestined to have this land, to have the land flowing with milk and honey. Go out there and take it regardless of who you have to kill and who you have to exterminate. Whereas in the New Testament, we have Jesus coming in and saying, we are all God's chosen people. All you have to do is accept the gift of salvation and go out and make more disciples. That That seems to be just a fundamental difference to me in motivation and the religion itself. Now we're definitely going in a different direction than I expected, but it's interesting, and it's kind of along the lines that I'm not sure if I've actually gone out and stated in the podcast, but it's certainly a direction, and again, a quasi-heretical one perhaps, Mm. that the Old Testament is not what Christians tend to take it as. For instance, (laughs) really going off track here, Japanese people. (laughs) (laughs) Solid start. Yeah, so... If we're looking at it from a Protestant, Christian, evangelical perspective, here's a people group 
that have continuously, despite a tremendous missionary push for 500 years now, have rejected the gospel, have rejected as a whole, 99.3% of the population, something like that, has rejected Christianity. Mm. So my brain starts walking backwards and thinking to myself, okay, is the Old Testament as universal as the New Testament? Mm. For instance, New Testament, you say it's, you know, a different God, but maybe it's just a different scope. What if the Old Testament was written for the Hebrews, written for the nation of Israel, because it was only meant to really apply to Israel? Of course, it would be valuable for the rest of us because we get to know the character of God because it's written. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's got cool stuff like how the world started. Yes. But it doesn't talk about God's relationship to ancient Japanese people. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so if you're an ancient Japanese person, I don't know, maybe you have the ancient Japanese Old Testament or you have some other form of revelation that is how you get to know God. Hmm. Would that explain the gap there? Would that explain the difference? I don't know. That. It seems like a reach. Uh, Why? <laughs> I don't see how I'm reaching at all. So, I mean, what's your statement boiled down? My statement is trying to answer, trying to give a trump card, trying right. to qualify your question. Your question is around this idea that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament don't jive. Mm -hmm. They don't fit together. And your center point of that seemed to be around the idea of evangelism and mm -hmm. violence. Mm -hmm. And so I'm making the case that the New Testament has a different scope being that it's meant for the whole earth. Right. Whereas the Old Testament is God's interaction, how God wants to make himself known to one people in one time. The New Testament is all people through one time. I see. So it's not that... So you're just saying... Wait, 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 wait. There's a good, <laughs> there's a good, there's a good little summation. <laughs> So it's not that it's two sides of the same coin, the Old Testament and the New Testament, or Jesus and God being the same coin. It's the Old Testament's one coin, and the New Testament has Jesus, which can be both violent and passive, but, right. but, but it's its own coin. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm with you. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I mean, I guess that would kind of fit in nicely with that narrative of just, this is how it went for the Israelites, and these were the rules that God gave to them. And this was their history. Because I don't follow the Sabbath. Yeah, exactly. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent point because the Old Testament as a whole, a lot of it is not applicable to today. A whole lot of it. There's so much of the books that cover the laws. that have Pretty much all the laws. Yeah, they have absolutely no application today. Like, we shave, we eat pork, we do all the things. So, I mean, that would make sense if it was just the Israelites, it was the spotlight on them, and this was their whole lineage and their history, and this this is for them, and then the New Testament, this is for everybody. This is where God reaches out to all people and brings it together. It's a, it's a nice bow on the history of the world, and this is where it all comes together perfectly through Jesus Christ. So, I mean, yeah, that would be an interesting way to take it, and that, that would fit in, probably. But, again, the quasi-heretical element uh, plays into it. Why? Well, I mean, because then you're saying that the Old Testament as a whole is inspired by God, but you're saying that there's a lot of history left out, that God has revealed himself in other ways and other places that we just don't know about, and we've chosen to just think about this one. 
Who's this we you speak of? Well, I was under the impression we were in this together. (laughs) (laughs) Hebrews starts, Hebrews 1.1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we're getting back to the question that we hit on a little bit earlier, which was, was the New Testament for the Jews? Was Jesus' teaching for the Jews? And then later on, the letters and all that, obviously they were talking to the different churches. But when he says our fathers, is he he talking about the Israelites or is he talking about the world? Well, this is Hebrews. Yeah. So it's (laughs) to the Hebrews. (laughs) Yeah. And so that kind of feeds back into the whole discussion of why would God just give us the Bible in the form of one revelation, like to this one people and a bunch of laws that don't apply today. Like, why would the Bible encompass just the history and the teachings of the Jewish people and then just kind of say, okay, that was that. Here's the New Testament. It's for everybody. Enjoy. Like, why is the Old Testament there then? I think you're putting a lot of latent presuppositions onto the Bible, right? You're supposing that... What are you supposing? (laughs) Well, I wasn't sure until you started saying that I was supposing something. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm wondering what I'm supposing. What I feel from your statement is a fear that with my idea that the Old Testament's for the Jewish people and there may have been revelation for other people in other ways mm. that that either invalidates the Old Testament or makes it lacking. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. I think you're hitting the right spot there because when you say there may have been other revelations for various other peoples... That kind of opens up Pandora's box. Why? Because, that I mean, that means that we're dealing with possibly thousands of revelations of God to peoples that we don't have it documented, and that could be a major part of a culture. We could be missing an entire culture heritage. Oh, yeah, for sure. All the time. What? Okay, this little, this little boy that dresses in yellow, the 90 Minutes in Heaven. Already the boys announced that he didn't actually have that dream, mm. from what I understand. So Yes. But supposing for a moment <laughs> that that little boy did go to heaven. All right. Even though he didn't. Right. But he dressed in yellow, which was a very interesting marketing technique, I thought. Did you think he was in that little... Did you see the pictures? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's like yellow background. He's got the yellow vest. Yeah, it's, it's a lot like, of yellow. So much yellow. I didn't know... I never read it, so maybe it was all like, (laughs) heaven is very yellow. (laughs) Maybe that was the takeaway. (laughs) Yeah, and he has like the red balloon, right? Ah. Yeah. Like the French film. Anyway, (laughs) supposing that this boy did go to heaven, is that not a revelation? I would say it is. Of course it is. Yes. So we're not going to throw that into the canon. We're not going to add a new book to the Bible. So then you would have to say, two, three generations from now, that's going to be lost. Or, you know, surely there are miracles, there are other ways that God's revealing himself that aren't being written down, that aren't being remembered, or that someone cherishes in their own heart. It's happening all the time. Right, but... So why would it be important that we've missed a bunch of other revelations? But, I mean, you're talking about one person, this little boy who supposedly went to heaven, for the sake of argument we're assuming he did. That's a revelation for one individual. We're talking about entire people groups. The Israelites were an entire people group. If God has revealed himself in various ways to various peoples, that could mean the entirety of a country. Entire cultural heritage may have been just lost. Not, well... And even if it hasn't, even if that's a part of their culture now, let's take any random country 
that has its own religion. If we look at that and we're saying that's not Christianity, that could be their version of the revelation that God had given to them, passed down throughout the centuries. So we're negating that now, if we're talking about revelations from God to different peoples. Well, our litmus test would have to be, because we're saying the New Testament is now for all people. Right. Uh, you know, Paul says in his letter, one of his letters, I forget which right now, that even if I say something that is against the gospel, that is against what you've known about Jesus, then throw me away. Throw this letter away. Mm. So if there were, if, you know, some Amazonian people, you know, said, this is how God revealed himself. And he said, slaughter our infants and eat their brains. Mm. We're going to be like, no. Yeah. But the sub-point that is kind of getting me with this rabbit hole we've gone down is why has Israel's revelation been the only one that we've chosen to include in our own religion, in the holistic sense of Christianity and the whole picture? Because, as we've said, a lot of the laws don't apply. A lot of uh, the laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, we're just calling it quits on those. But there are some that we still kind of cling to. There are some traditions and stuff like the Sabbath. We don't follow the stringent rules that the Jewish people did and still do, but we still have a Sabbath. Now, presupposing that there are other revelations, if another culture had two Sabbaths, the New Testament never says, this is the Sabbath, keep it holy always. This is like... it. It's not in line with the Old Testament because we see Jesus in the New Testament working on the Sabbath, doing stuff on the Sabbath, even though that's in direct violation of the Old Testament. He's breaking the Old Testament law for the New Testament law. So I guess my question is, what if there was another revelation to another people that had a different set of laws or regulations that they still clung to? Would that be correct? Would it be incorrect? Are we incorrect in observing the Sabbath even though... Because I've always been taught, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and that meant not working, resting. So, even though Jesus did work on the Sabbath. You're throwing a lot at me in this question. I am. Uh, and most of it deals with culture, and most of it deals with groupthink. At this point in my Christian walk, the way I understand Jesus, the way I understand the God of the Bible, is, yeah, he cares about stuff, and, and he's involved... And he has certain directives that matter for whatever reason. Most of the time, I don't understand why those things matter. But I also always want to be careful to not, and I've done this most of my life, but to not make God out of the laws or make God out of the directions rather than make my concept of God out of who I believe he is, like based off of his character. And so when you get talking about these like double Sabbaths, a part of me just is like, you know, that's a conversation we have down the road. Let's let's first figure out who this guy is. This God that your Sunday school teachers told you you can't know. Let's get to know him and ask him and try to figure out who he is before we try to form theologies and try to form a catechism out of it. When I was growing up, the church that my family went to was just a new little church and one of the first things we did was spend, and main service did this, and Sunday school did this. So I'm like, what, seven, eight? And every week we're going through and we're learning, we're doing all of the Westminster Shorter Catechism questions. And there's like 160 of them. Wow. And we did one a week. <laughs> and it was 
all in this form of question, answer. Next week, question, answer. And it was this systematic theology where all these assumably bald-headed older men got together right. and said, this is who we should be. And, you know, the thing that makes Jesus so interesting and that makes the God of the Old Testament so interesting, but I'll start with Jesus, <laughs> is he doesn't, he, he talks in these parables in these obscure ways, and then he says even obscure things on top of that, like, for those who can see, see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think he's doing that because he's trying to draw us into him rather than draw us into Here's my, a little bit of heresy, even though I'm a conservative guy when it comes down to it, uh, but draws into his character because it's only once we're into his character, who he is, that we can draw any sort of conclusions. So these other cultures, if they had a real revelation from God and like the Ethiopians, the Ethiopian church, they're way into the Old Testament. They claim to have the Ark of the Covenant and their Holy of Holies in their capital city in Ethiopia. Uh, and they have the Book of Enoch, several other books in their Bible. Yeah, yeah. And the really interesting part about it is they're one of the oldest churches in the world because, and we see this in the Book of Acts, we see how the gospel got to them. And it was super early. India has a similar tradition. We think the Apostle Thomas went and took the gospel to India. Well, that gospel, you know, it's going to have a little Indian flair to its culture. Yeah. And if you're talking Old Testament, I don't know how that interacts then with the New Testament. But, man, if Jesus is right, that God is loving, then I have to think that there was a revelation for that ancient Japanese samurai dude. Because <laughs> he's really cool. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm with you. So... That was my long soliloquy. Okay, okay. Uh, and that's, that's a nice way to answer the question but and, but but <laughs> but the question but that i was kind of referring back to during your whole soliloquy mm. was uh classic not <laughs> answering the actual question uh, soliloquy was if assuming god did reveal himself to other people groups was it every other people group like did he choose to say okay these people groups will get my word because Obviously, there's no evangelization in the Old Testament. When they go into the Promised Land, God says, kill everybody. There's no mention of him saying, uh, reach out to them, witness, bring them back to me, call them back into my word. There, there's no reaching out to me. I've never seen uh, any evidence that they were trying consciously to love or to have mercy on any other people as people. They were saying... No, they're occupying space that we have been promised. Therefore, they're all liabilities. Let's go in, let's take what's ours, and that's it. They're, I mean, it's almost dehumanizing entire cultures just because they're not Jewish. Now, saying that your theory of the various revelations of different cultures, did the revelations just fail? Did they fall that far away from God that God decided to exterminate them? as a culture? I mean, because that's where we have to take it, naturally. Is it not? Yeah, I mean, he clearly was okay with destroying the entire world, which clearly <laughs> had many, would have had to have had many cultures within it right. at Noah's time. So, yeah, I don't think it's beyond his scope to be like, eh, Babylonians, kind of done with you now. <laughs> 
And is that why he ordered the complete destruction of society? So he could destroy any record they have had of their revelation? No. Well, I don't know. That's just my instinct answering, but... Because surely if he revealed himself to every people group across the earth, then somebody else would have recorded it. Somebody had to have said, this is the way our God has revealed himself Dude, to us. Dude, it was all at the library in Alexandria. <laughs> that sucker burned. A classic cop-out. It's all at the Library of Alexandria. It's classic cop-out, but it is it does have merit. <laughs> it, it is fair. It is Because you were hard-pressed to get information back then. <laughs> I do want to point out one more uh, diadem in my pet theory. I only say diadem because we just read that yeah. revelation <laughs> passage before coming on air. That's the first time I've ever said on air. On air. On air. Nice. Anyway, which is completely anachronistic, <laughs> really. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, the interesting character of Balaam. Mm. Balaam is a non-Jewish person, a sorcerer of some <laughs> sort, but he seems to have a direct line in the book of Leviticus to God. Right, yeah. And, and it's legitimate, and God talks back to him. More than that, the only time in the entire Bible where a friggin' animal <laughs> talks... It's through Balaam's ass, through Balaam's donkey. Yeah. That alone is a new type of revelation. And that new type of revelation isn't coming through the Jewish people. That's a good point. And, I mean, I just want to point out that that's a completely random story. It seems like there's, well, there's never mention of it again, it seems like. Mm, there is, actually, several times. Because oh. Balaam's... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It's referenced. Yeah. Uh, but what I mean is it's never... I don't know. It seems like they just throw it in there, just kind of throw it in there. And then later on when they reference it, they're saying, remember that time we talked about the donkey talking? It's like that. Yeah. Uh, they're, that's, a gr- that's a great point. Uh, this non-Jew just walking along, and God just shows up and gives him this revelation personally. And I guess it's never really explained. I mean, there's a lot of context to it, but that is a personal revelation. No, Balaam's relationship with God and where that comes from is just assumed in the book of Leviticus. Which would seem to contradict the idea that the Jews were God's chosen people, specifically, exclusively. Well, well okay, exclusively, exclusively yes. Yeah. Push back. I mean, certainly, and maybe this is answering your question from 30 minutes ago, <laughs> the Jewish people are more important than everybody else because that's the culture, that's the race that Jesus comes to earth as, that God chooses to come into the flesh as. Hmm. So... They do have prominence, and I think that's the reason why this is my supposition and my instinct, and I could be totally off base. But maybe the most crucial reason that we have the Old Testament is simply because we need the context for where Jesus came into, what that people group was like, and how God interacted with those people. Yeah, and he does make a lot of references, Jesus himself does, to the Jewish law. And there are a lot of guys who are not cool with what he's doing. And he says, I'm here to fulfill the law, and I am the new law. This is the end of what you know, and it's the beginning of the law that I'm laying down. Ooh, I like how you put that. Thank how you. Jesus put that. <laughs> also just came to mind Job, another non-Jewish character that interacts with God, has a relationship with God. He gets his whole book. Long book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Travis... What is the question we asked today? I think the question we started with was, did God's character change? And is that the question we ended with? 
No, it is not. What's the question we're ending with? I would have to guess, because I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> but if I had to take a shot, I would say, was God's revelation specifically given to the Jews? All right. We'll end on that. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I'm Dante Stack. And I'm Travis Corley. You wanted to say the line? Peace be the journey. Say it a little louder, though. Peace be the journey. Say it again. Peace be the journey. Say it with authority. Peace be the journey. Slower. Peace be the journey. All right, a little faster. (laughs) Okay, let me... Peace be the journey.